Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy podcast. Today, what we're going to be talking about is giving each other the benefit of the doubt. Now, I want to start off with a little bit of a story to help illustrate this. So Ruth and I, we are on a trip. And on our way home from the trip, the car battery light came on. We were able to make our way to an auto parts store. And it was just about 5 o'clock. And we went into the store and the guy came out and he said, Okay, I can test to see if it's your battery or if it's your alternator. He said, Oh, actually, you're in luck. It's your battery. And so we bought a new battery. He installed it. And the battery light immediately went on. And then the guy said to us, Well, I guess it must be your alternator. Now, we still had several hours that we had to drive to make it to our destination. And he told us, hey, you know what, if you keep your RPMs up a little bit, it may actually still charge your battery, even though your alternator's bad. So we're driving down the freeway, it's kind of heavy traffic, and I'm in the fast lane, and what I'm doing is I kind of drive slow, I get a little distance between me and the guy in front of me, and then I just kind of slam on the gas because I'm trying to get the RPMs up higher to see maybe hopefully it'll keep the battery charged enough so that we can make it on our way home. And through the course of us doing this, When the car in front of me is getting pretty far ahead, several people want to merge into that lane. But then I slam on the gas and I drive forward and I accelerate. And in my perspective, what I was thinking that the other drivers were probably thinking is, man, this guy's driving like a jerk. Why won't he let me merge in? There's this big distance between him and the person in front. Why all of a sudden is he hitting the gas and trying to keep me from being able to merge in? But the truth was, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was between a rock and a hard place. I didn't have much other option. I wanted to try to make it home before the battery died. It was past five o'clock on a Friday evening. There's no car shops I can go to to get it repaired. It's either I make it home or basically I'm probably going to be waiting till Monday to get this car repaired. Ruth and I were kind of joking with each other that next time someone's driving like a jerk, we were going to think about our own experience and our story where we weren't trying to be, but it definitely could look like we're being aggressive or poor drivers. But that wasn't our motivation. Our motivation was just trying to make it home. So the way that we like to define the benefit of the doubt is basically that when you don't know what somebody's motivation is, you try to give them a generous interpretation for the reason as to why. And when you're working at giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, when situations come up, most of the time, unless people have done quite a bit of work on this, their mind gets flooded with all these negative possible reasons why the other person may have done the thing that they did or chose to say what they said. But a lot of times, it's actually more of a neutral reason or even a positive reason. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some people that more often have negative attributed reasons for their behavior. But for the most part, for large swaths of the population, people genuinely have either neutral or positive intentions with what they're choosing to do. So kind of like Tim said, the benefit of the doubt is often used when we don't know the whole situation. And it's choosing to believe that someone has good intention or is telling the truth, even when maybe there's evidence that suggests otherwise. And so one of the reasons we want to do this is because we're all human and people make mistakes. So giving someone the benefit of the doubt allows us to extend grace. And this is grace that a lot of times we need. And so the more often that we can extend this grace to others, we create an atmosphere where then grace can be extended to us. And it's just a place where people are allowed to make mistakes. Or if we don't know the full situation, we give them the benefit of the doubt. We allow them a chance 
that even though there are areas that maybe we have doubt on or we don't have full evidence on, to be able to show us that that wasn't their intention. Now, when we're talking about the benefit of the doubt, what we're not saying is to take information where you're like, oh, I'm certain I know what this person's motivation is, and then blindly just thinking, oh, no, they must have done it for a good reason. But that idea of that benefit of the doubt, it's when you have doubt as to what that motivation is, you choose to give them that generous or that kind interpretation. There may be many times where you feel strongly what the person's motivation is, but the strength of our emotion doesn't indicate the truth of what actually is the situation. And a lot of times those emotions will feel very strongly until we hear the other side of the story. And I think sometimes I'm guilty a lot of times with our kids where they'll do something and I don't have the full context, but I automatically think I know what the motivation was. But then as I go and I ask them questions and they give me more information, or maybe Ruth even saw the other side of the story and then she gives me more context and more information, suddenly that initial knee-jerk thought process that I had as to why they did that ends up being totally shifted and corrected, where now it's like, oh, okay, I see how I interpreted it, but now I can see why they may have done that with a different motivation than what I originally attributed to them. Now, this can be very difficult, especially if you have high emotions in a situation, because those emotions, they can really make you feel like you are right in your interpretation. And the hard part of that is trying to challenge or to not let your emotions dictate what your belief system is, but trying to work towards letting the information tell you what is the actual scenario and what should I believe here. One of the key things that Tim said is, and so you can check it out or ask more questions to clarify. And that's an important step to do. Kind of makes it easier for you to give the benefit of the doubt because it's not an end all. But if you can start with giving the benefit of the doubt and then back it up and ask questions and clarify things, that's a much better way to go about it than to walk into a conversation and assume wrong and start to place blame, which then causes defensiveness and sets the conversation off in a really bad way. And going along with what you were just saying there, Ruth, about asking the questions, there's a right way and a wrong way to ask those questions. Again, you want to ask those questions with the benefit of the doubt inserted into it, not your own bias about what you believe their motivation was. So when you're asking a question, instead of framing a leading question like, you did this because of A, B, and C, didn't you? You want to ask more of an open-ended question. Can you explain to me a little bit about what your motivation was or what your thought process was behind this? Because what we're not trying to do is ask a question that's either confirming or denying what we believe. We're trying to ask a question that helps us get to the bottom of what actually was happening. And if you frame the question in a way that they have the ability to give you a yes or no answer, that's not really helping you get to the bottom of what's going on. But if you give this more general open-ended question, they may end up giving you an answer that is totally different from anything you may have thought it could be. And there's a term that psychologists refer to as the attributional style. So we'll talk about three of the attributional styles. The first one is a hostile attributional style. And this is where people just assume that people are being malicious. The second is a benign attributional style. This is where they gave people the benefit of the doubt. Or there's an ambiguous attributional style. And this is where they thought people were being malicious sometimes, but not always. And so like you probably guessed, researchers found that people who gave others the benefit of the doubt all the time were happier compared to the people who always blamed others. And I think this is one of the things where you can kind of just look around and see that in people. Where when you look at your friends or your family or maybe even yourself, 
that those who tend to give the benefit of doubt, you can just see that they are more joyful and they have better relationships with people. Whereas you see people just kind of walking around and grumbling and blaming other people, that that's kind of the way they live their life. Today I was at the store and we saw a guy and he was an older gentleman and he was pushing a card and he was grumbling and angry because somebody was trying to back out and was taking too long. And the whole time that he was walking, even after the car had moved, he continued to grumble and complain and no one else was there with him. It was just kind of complaining out loud to himself. And that's a great example of that. Instead of giving that car the benefit of the doubt that maybe he didn't see him or maybe they're in a rush because their daughter was about to have a baby and they had to get out of there quick. He just probably assumed that they didn't see him or they're a terrible driver or they saw them and they decided to go anyway. But kind of just that like grouchy, grumpy, not happy and sullen outlook is just so evident. And I think this goes back to the podcast we did talk about the unconscious. When you allow those automatic negative thoughts about people's motivation to kind of run rampant, that's helping to program your mind to think that way more frequently. But if you've really worked at taming that side of your mind and really worked at inputting positive thought processes and positive belief systems about what people's motivations are, it allows you to just be more pleasant and experience more pleasant emotions on a more frequent basis. And this can even go back to that idea of self-fulfilling prophecy. Say someone was supposed to meet you for coffee and they didn't show up and they didn't call or text, but this was your first time meeting them and you just assume that they stood you up and had bad motives. Then in your mind, you kind of create this character of the other person where they're selfish, they're lazy, they're not thoughtful. And the next time you interact with them or when you call them to check on them and see what happened, you already put up this angry front which then can cause them to respond in the same way. And then in your mind, it justifies, see, they are selfish and they are lazy and they are not thoughtful. Whereas the other option is being able to give them the benefit of doubt and say, I wonder if something happened. I wonder if they're okay. Maybe they forgot. And even thinking of times where maybe you've forgotten something or you've messed up and been late to something that allows us to, like I said in the beginning, give that grace back to people and set relationships up in a healthy way. And to another part of this is knowing the character of the person that you're making interpretations about. So if you know this person pretty well, and they're a pleasant person, you feel like they're genuinely pretty honest, and then a situation comes up, and your mind automatically jumps to some nefarious intent, that's an easy thing for you to be able to challenge and be like, well, what do I know of this person? Are they normally like that? Well, no, they're not. So then why should I let myself think that they're doing that now? Now, don't get me wrong. I know people really don't like getting the wool pulled over their eyes. But just like that study that Ruth mentioned a little bit ago, people who give each other the benefit of the doubt are in a more positive emotional state. So in this way, and I know you've heard the saying before, ignorance bliss, kind of ignorance can be bliss in this situation where you can be more happy even if you make an incorrect interpretation of the situation. And I think that's why it's so important to cultivate this kind of healthy relationship in your marriage or with your kids or even in friendships or with your parents in every relationship. Because like Tim said, you look at who that person is. What do I know of them? And if in your marriage you're really struggling and you feel like that person is sarcastic and cutting me down and he's purposely doing things, then it's hard to give that benefit of the doubt. But if you have a marriage or relationship with that person that's honest and open and safe, then it's easier to give that the benefit of the doubt. And so that's why it's so important to cultivate a relationship and marriage where it's healthy and safe. 
So it's not even an immediate question of, are they telling me the truth this time or are they lying again? Now, there's another side to this that I think is really interesting. I was uh, listening to this video and it was a self-aware narcissist. Now, if you're not aware what that is, basically most narcissists don't know that they're narcissists. So this guy was a self-aware narcissist. He understood he had this problem. He had this interesting insight as to why narcissists always believe other people have a negative ulterior motive. And the reason for that is because they always have a negative ulterior motive. When they're planning things, when they're doing things, there's always some angle that they're working. So when they're interacting with other people, they believe those other people are the same as them. And that whenever they say or do something, the people that that narcissist is interacting with, they feel like they're trying to take advantage of them. So they always look at and view other people very warily because of their own actions and motivations. So I think the other flip side to this coin is if you really look at people a lot and you believe they have negative ulterior motives, you may need to look at your own motivation and say, do I regularly have negative ulterior motives that causes me to think everybody else does as well? But we're not asking you to be naive and give the benefit of the doubt when it's clear that you shouldn't. When you begin to see a pattern of the same offense, then I would really start to look at that and think, is this a time when I need to set clear boundaries or is this a time where I can give the benefit of the doubt? But if someone continues to do the same thing and has no remorse, then I would say that that's a fair situation where you can take a step back and be a little more aware and view them maybe with a more critical eye. And also specifically when it comes to strangers too, we're also not wanting you to be naive. Give them the benefit of the doubt. If after all things being said and done, it wouldn't make a difference to you. But if it could potentially put you in some type of a dangerous situation, then by all means, be more critical when you think about that. Just like situation, hey kids, don't take candy from a stranger. Why? Well, the stranger most likely is giving you candy with no big deal. But there is a chance, and the consequence is so great, that if they did have nefarious intent, that it's not worth it in any situation to take that candy from the stranger. So we share this podcast on giving the benefit of the doubt, hoping that in your close relationships especially, that you'll be able to practice this and really see a benefit from this, where you can give that more generous view and offer grace to them as well as to yourself. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.